So much of modern motherhood is spent wishing we were doing better, whether we're comparing ourselves to other moms or to the ideal mom we assumed we'd be before we had kids. But this wishing takes us further and further away from joy, and it stops us from being the mom we want to be. I'm Rebecca Brownwright, and I'm here to help you focus on connection, because connecting more deeply with yourself and with your kids will help you forget about mom comparisons. Connection will help you resolve behavior issues with your kids, and connection will help you live a life full of real joy, because that's what you and your kids deserve. Pause and connect with me for a moment to listen to discussions about connection and motherhood, finding your purpose, smashing cultural narratives, and so much more. This is Pause and Connect. Hi everyone, welcome back to Pause and Connect. This is episode 27 called You Are the Expert on Your Child. This episode is kind of a reminder to you and a how-to. It's a reminder that you really know your child better than anyone, and you have the right to let that guide your decisions and your interactions. And it's also a how-to on how to become more of a personal expert on your child, how to trust yourself, how to do this. So first, though, let's talk about why we don't always feel like the expert on our children. Because we don't, right? That's, that's, it's one thing to say you're the expert, but it's a complete other thing to actually believe that, right? <laughs> why do we sometimes feel like we don't know what we're doing and we don't know how to even resolve that? Well, first, we didn't get a manual, and that's really scary. Now, I know that that analogy has been used like, one million kajillion times that we aren't handed a manual about our child when we leave the hospital, you know, like we hear that over and over and over. And I think sometimes when things get repeated over and over, it's easy to forget how powerful those concepts are. But this is a really powerful concept. Think about it. Like when you adopt a pet, when, when we when we adopted our cat 16 years ago, and I don't know what they're doing now. We haven't had a pet since then, but I'm sure they're doing something similar. We, we got him from the Humane Society. They gave us a paper, told us what cats need. It told us um, the shots they need, all, you know, all, the, all those kinds of things. So we're given something to do to take home so that we can take care of our cat, right? Um, and let, let's say that they don't give the papers anymore, although I bet they still do. But even if they don't, you can, you can quickly Google how to, how to keep a cat alive, how to keep a turtle alive. And then there's going to be a few basic things to do. And those basic things are going to apply to pretty much every cat or turtle, um, and, unless there's some sort of underlying condition, right? And then, you know, like, let's say you later want to train your turtle to do tricks. You can go find some basic information on Google. I Googled it. It's possible, apparently, to teach turtles to do tricks. Um, now, of course, there's going to be some contradictions from article to article, but those aren't going to be huge contradictions. They're not going to be the type of contradictions that will devastate a, a turtle if you, if you follow those rules, right? Because, well, turtles have different personalities, cats have different personalities, they're still all similar enough that they're going to respond well to your basic care, to those basic instructions that you get when you adopt the, the animal. This is true if you buy a plant too, right? You read the little card that it comes with and then you'll basically know how to take care of it. I mean, sure, a lot of us still mess that up, but, but those basic things are there and there's more information if you want it on Google, but those basic things, how often to water, how much sun it needs, those are easy to follow. Let, even if you buy a ping pong table, you're going to get a manual on how to keep it clean and cared for, how to set it up. Probably the rules of the game. If you buy a shirt, the tag tells you how to wash it. Now you can always find more information beyond any manual, but still the manual usually suffices, right? But kids, well, the stakes are higher and you don't get that manual. And even if you did, 
it probably wouldn't be very useful because while all kids do need the basics like love, safety, security, food, shelter, cleanliness, all of that, they also need very specific combinations of very specific things to make them feel loved, safe, fed, clean, etc. Even as newborns, even as newborns, our little humans have distinct preferences that can be really difficult to figure out. So it is basic to take care of a newborn, feed them, change them, burp them, but it doesn't work that way, right? It doesn't, even though the instructions are basic, there's still so much within that that your child is going to need. They're going to have preferences a certain way, right? So a manual, if someone wrote a manual on how to take care of a newborn, like it's going to be obsolete by the time your child is born because your child's a new model. Your child is completely different than the child that that manual was written for. So now, of course, there's always generalities and that's why there's bajillions of parenting tips out there, right? For example, I teach about using connection to solve parenting problems. I speak in generalities when I do. And most of the, those, most of the time, excuse me, these general principles are going to work well. But there's so much variety in how you execute those principles, when you choose to use them, how your child responds to them, and how you respond to the responses, and so much more. So you can find parenting manuals and tips that you like and agree with, but you're still going to have to personalize the information for your specific child, their preferences, your family circumstances, your challenges, and all of that. So... Yeah, even with the manual of your choosing, if you found a manual that you loved, you still are going to feel like you don't know what you're doing a lot of the time because kids aren't a math formula. You don't plug in the numbers for a guaranteed desired result. Now, all of this is normal, but it's not easy, of course, and it's why it's important for us to empower ourselves by reminding ourselves that we are the expert on our own children, right? Now, another reason why we often feel like we don't know what we're doing is because even when we follow the experts, we end up finding contradictions everywhere. So this expert says to praise good behavior, while this expert says too much praise could be harmful. This expert says to not compromise or you're going to lose control. And this expert says you should always look for compromises. So it's confusing. Now, when I was thinking about this, I remembered reading this really hilarious essay Several years ago, I think I, I had a baby at the time because it was about baby sleep or baby, or it was about baby sleep, but I couldn't remember when I was when I was searching for it. But it was just so funny and so it's spot on. <laughs> uh, so I went Googling for it. I wasn't sure if I was going to find it because my search term was so vague, but I found it. I actually found it. It was written in 2013 by a woman named Ava Nyer. She wrote it on, I'm going to mispronounce this, but it's the Chimerical Kapukin. And it's called, I read all the baby sleep books. Now I'm going to link to that in my show notes because it's really fun and you should go read it. And I'm only going to, I'm, I kind of condensed it. So you should go read the full thing because it's, it's hilarious. And, uh, she deserves, she deserves for people to go and see it. So make sure you check out the link in my show notes to go and read this from Ava Nyer. But, um, so here's an abbreviated version of the original, original essay, uh, I'll go ahead and read that right now. So Nyer wrote, I bought all the top books on baby sleep and development. I read through them all, as well as several blogs and sleep websites. I gathered lots of advice. You shouldn't sleep train at all before a year, before six months, or before four months. But if you wait too late, your baby will never be able to sleep without you. College-aged children never need to be nursed, rocked, helped to sleep, 
So don't worry about any bad habits. Nursing, rocking, singing, swaddling, etc. to sleep are all bad habits and should be stopped immediately. <laughs> White noise will help them fall asleep. White noise, heartbeat sounds, etc. don't work. <laughs> Naps should only be taken in the bed, never in a swing, car seat, stroller, or when worn. If your baby has trouble falling asleep in the bed, put them in a swing, car seat, stroller, or wear them. <laughs> Keep the room warm, but not too warm. Swaddle the baby tightly, but not too tightly. Put them on their back to sleep, but don't let them be on their backs too long or they will be developmentally de delayed. Give them a pacifier to reduce SIDS. Be careful about pacifiers because they can cause nursing problems and stop your baby from sleeping soundly. Don't let your baby sleep too long, except when they've been napping too much, then you should wake them. Never wake a sleeping baby. <laughs> Have a set time per day that you put them to bed. Don't watch the clock. Put them on a schedule. Scheduling will make your life impossible because they will be constantly th thrown off of it and you will become a prisoner in your home. Using cry it out will make them think they've been abandoned and will be eaten by a lion shortly. <laughs> it also causes brain damage. Not getting enough sleep will cause behavior and mental problems, so be sure to put them to sleep by any means necessary, especially cry it out, which is the most effective form. <laughs> be wary of night feeds. If you respond too quickly with food or comfort, your baby is manipulating you. Babies can't manipulate. Babies older than six months can manipulate. Sleep when the baby sleeps. Clean when the baby cleans. Don't worry. Stress causes your baby stress and a stressed baby won't sleep. Oh, isn't that so funny? And it's exactly true. It's so spot on when it comes to sleep advice. You're going to find a contradiction to every single piece of advice out there. But the same could be said for feeding advice, discipline advice, safety advice, academic advice, social advice, emotional advice, and so on. So if we're feeling like we aren't the experts of our children, it makes sense, doesn't it? I feel like that essay just sums it up completely. We are being bombarded with contradictory messages all the time. From the time our babies are born, from the time we're expecting our babies, whether we are adopting or we are going to birth the babies ourselves, we're getting advice. There's just advice all the time and it contradicts itself all the time. So it's totally understandable why we often don't feel like we know what we're doing and why we don't feel like we are the experts on our children. But we need to find the balance here. Experts do know a lot and it's not a bad idea to listen to them. You know, when you find the right one that that fits with your, your values and, and everything like that, it's not a bad idea to listen to what they have to say. But... At the same time, we can't sacrifice our own intuition about our children in our quest to get it right, according to the experts. <laughs> we also need to choose the right experts to listen to, and we only do that as we know our children better. Now, this reminds me, this talk of balance. When I was in college, my roommates and I really felt overwhelmed by our schoolwork. We didn't feel like we had any free time to make friends, develop hobbies or skills or anything else. Now, I think we'd all look back at this and say, like, we had all the time in the world. What, did, what, what were we saying? We were so naive. The only thing we had on our plates was school, really. We didn't have kids, careers, spouses, mortgages, no major bills, no health challenges. But at the time, full-time school felt really overwhelming. And, you know, it was. It really was. That was overwhelming for us at that point in our lives. But in our overwhelm, <laughs> we asked ourselves where the balance was. And this was funny. It might be one of those inside jokes that is only funny to the people who were there. But but I, th I think it might be funny because uh, we, you know, we were in this deep conversation like, where is the balance? How do we find the balance? And one of my roommates ran to the balcony of our apartment and shouted out into the parking lot, balance, where are you? <laughs> and I always go back to that thought, balance, where are you? Because that's what I want to address right now for this topic. Balance, where are you? 
because we need balance on this and we need it bad. Expert advice is unavoidable. Friendly advice from family members and friends is unavoidable. Unfriendly advice from family members, friends, strangers is unavoidable. Watching other people live their parenting lives and absorbing that and judging ourselves is unavoidable. We are influenced in countless ways, whether we're intentionally seeking influence or not. So we need to be aware of the information that's filtering in to our brains. And then, but we also need to trust ourselves. Balance, where are you? We do know what we're doing, even if we don't know it yet. You know, (laughs) I really mean that. You know your child and deep down, you know what's best for them. But there's a lot of noise at the surface. So it's really difficult to access that deep down area. And that's okay because simply acknowledging this helps us to do a more thorough job at trusting ourselves and at being the expert on our children. It's a really good step to acknowledge that there is a lot of noise and it's hard to get down to that point where we say, hey, yeah, I am the expert on my child. So in order to find that balance, that elusive balance, we can do a few things. Actually, we can probably do hundreds of things, but I'm going to share just a few in this episode because I'm trying to be balanced, right? So the first idea is to get out a pen and paper and answer this question. What do you know about your child? Write down everything that comes to mind from like the little things like hates peanut butter and jelly to the huge things where you're starting to see your child form into who they are. Like maybe they feel a strong pull to social justice work, or maybe they have a deep love for animals and then animals are drawn to them. You know, write down just the the mundane to the big, write all of it down. And along with this question, ask yourself what you knew about your child in the past. Now, this might take a little more thought, but think back to those times when you just knew something. Maybe it was when your child was in utero and you got a sense of their personality. Maybe it was when they were sick and you just knew how to comfort them. Maybe it was when you knew the sport or hobby that they were going to be drawn to. Think back over those times and write those down too. Now, why are we writing this down? Well, because it gives power. When you see all of this on paper in front of you, you see your child more completely and you see that you know more than you might have thought you knew. Now this, this could be something that you, you do over a long period of time, but get that written down on paper. What do you know about your child? And that alone is going to give you confidence to tell yourself, yeah, I do know my child. I am the expert. Now, the next question to go ahead and answer on your paper is this. Think back to times when you knew that you needed to do something that contradicted what someone else has said. So we're talking about the experts in this episode, right? And how how to find that balance. Well, there's been a time in your parenting when there was some expert advice given to you and you knew it wasn't right. So think back to that because that's going to give you confidence too. So maybe you read parenting advice and immediately knew it wouldn't work for you. Maybe a teacher said something about your child that you knew wasn't true. Maybe a family member gave you advice that just immediately fell out of sorts with your beliefs. Even if you couldn't pinpoint exactly why, you just knew that wasn't the path for you. So here's an example. When my son was a baby, he was failing to thrive. I I took him to an occupational therapist as part of this large team of doctors trying to help him. And um, the therapist told me I had to feed him a certain formula. And she was so insistent on this. It was I like I felt like I was going to kill my child if I didn't follow this advice. If I didn't give my child this formula, he was not going to survive. So I went and got this like $60 can formula and I fed it to him the very that very day or the very next day. 
And I wasn't, I wasn't worried about it. I was actually really hopeful. I was trusting this expert. I was so excited. This was going to be the thing that solves everything. But almost immediately, I knew that this was the wrong, the wrong plan. He drank it just fine. Like he didn't splutter or anything like that. He was, it was just fine, but I did not feel right. And then as the day wore on, I began to see evidence of why I didn't feel right. He was getting a diaper rash as the day was going on. He was getting fussier and fussier. And I kept giving it to him because I was so afraid to go against what this occupational therapist had kind of ordered me to do, but I just knew that I was hurting my child with this formula. And I was, I I was hurting him. I could see the evidence the longer the day went on. So I immediately stopped when I, when I, not immediately, it took me all day, but I, I finally stopped. I went back to breastfeeding him. The rash and the fussiness went away. And then I, you know, started making other plans, talk to the doctor, talk to other people to figure out what to do. But, but the point is I knew, right? I trusted the expert. The expert was wrong in this, in this case. And, and then I, I knew and, and I just knew, I just, I just could tell. I just, it, that, that was just it. And there, the, you've had that too, where you've just known, you've just known something that someone's telling you is just not right. So think about that. When has someone, a, an adult told you something about your child that you knew was just wrong, like a teacher or some, or a doctor or something, you just knew it was wrong. When did a book tell you to do something that made you feel like you just want to run the other way instead? When did a family member suggest something that you just knew would never work? These examples show you that you do know your child. They don't have to be dramatic. It could be something simple, like some little saying that your mother-in-law tells you that, you know, was said 50 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. And, and you just, you just know that that doesn't, that doesn't work anymore. You know, like that, that it could be something as simple as that. You have instincts that help to guide you. This doesn't mean that you're never going to make a mistake. You know, like I, I fed my child that formula all day long, even though it was, it was like, hurting him. So I made that mistake, but it, it shows me that because I knew it wasn't the right thing. And I eventually followed through and stopped giving it to him that I, I do know more than I think I knew, right? I do know what my child needs to some extent. And of course experts can help, but I do, I also know a lot. Okay. So those were the first two questions, right? What you know, write what you knew about your child, and then think back to times when you just knew that something an expert was saying was not right for you. Now, the next question is one that you don't even have to write this one down. Just think about it for a second and then don't stay here long because this could be a little bit painful, but I'm going to kind of show you how to flip the pain so you don't stay in the pain. The next question is to think about the times when you didn't follow your gut when you, when you didn't follow through with something that you knew. So the example I just shared was one where I continued to feed my child and it was making him sick all day long. So just think, don't stay here long. Just think back to a few times when you knew that you should have done something or should have not done something, but you went the other way instead. Maybe it was on the advice of someone. Maybe it was based on something you had heard. Here's another example. Um, and I shared this in a past podcast, so it might sound familiar to you, but I, um, a few weeks ago, I made my child go to church one day when she didn't want to. And I think the reason I did it is I had a lot of like 
um, childhood conditioning running through my mind. You know, like you go to church, you just go to church. Um, And I didn't take the time to look directly at that conditioning and figure out where it was coming from. And so instead of listening to my intuition, listening to my gut, whatever you want to call it, I just said, nope, you got to come. And then once we got to church, we realized that she had a migraine. It was her first ever, so she hadn't been able to articulate what she'd been feeling before when she had been at home and had wanted was just telling us she wanted to skip church. So that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. By looking back at that moment, when I followed my conditioning instead of listening to my child or listening to my inner voice, then I know I can react better the next time something like this happens. Because when I think back... I realized I did have a teensy tiny nudging that was telling me to let her stay home, but I ignored it. I was in a rush. I had that conditioning going through my mind. So that little nudging though, when I look back, that tells me I really am the expert on my child. And I can listen to that, what I was saying before, that stuff that's deep down. There's so much noise on the surface, but deep down, I did know what my child needed. But it's okay, okay? And so that's when we're, t- when we're thinking on this question, we're not beating ourselves up. We're only looking back so that we can learn and then move forward. So don't beat yourself up about this question. Instead, use it to show that you do know your child. You are the expert. Let these examples give you strength and courage to follow your gut the next time. Now, again, don't stay here long. Just think for a minute. You probably had something pop in your mind while I was talking. So that's good enough. Let's move on to the next one. The next question, and do go ahead and, and write this one down um, if, if you have the time, because this is a good one too. Think back to the things from your childhood that you don't want to repeat. So maybe a way that an authority figure treated you or a rule you had to follow at school or something. Think about why you feel that treatment was unfair or why it didn't work for you as a child, and then let that guide you in how you're interacting with your child now. This helps you make decisions as you work to do better than how things were done for you. With hindsight, you now know that this thing wasn't right for you. Um, As a child, you probably knew it too, but it was probably, you were probably talked out of it or told that you were wrong. So when you look back and acknowledge that, hey, I knew this wasn't right, and now I'm an adult and I look back and I I can clearly see that this wasn't right now with the benefit of hindsight and having an adult mind. So... Looking back and and acknowledging that, it helps you to trust yourself more. You knew it then, you know it now. So you you have intuition about parenting based on how adults treated you and took care of you when you were a child, based on their mistakes. The next question is the opposite. Think to the things that you do want to repeat from your childhood. What worked well? What made you feel loved? These are things that you need more of. And the more that you have these things, the more confident you're going to feel in trusting yourself to be the expert on your child. These are the areas where you thrive. And as you work to incorporate more of this into your life, you're going to feel more secure and more confident in your parenthood. And then the final reflection question, and then I have a couple action items after that, is to think about the things that you admire in families that are ahead of you, families who have kids older than you, and then ask them how they got there. So this is, this is pretty, um, this just happens a lot in, in our families because I'm the fifth of six kids in my family and my husband is the sixth of six kids in his family. So we have a lot of siblings and we are at the tail end of our families. And our siblings are quite a bit, some of them are quite a bit older than us so that they, they're in a completely different stage than we are. So our oldest child is 13. 
but some of our nieces and nephews are married with their own children. So we really get this nice peek into the future whenever we're with our extended family. And we've both noticed things that we really admire about the families of our different siblings and and how they are as adults and how, how they are with their teenagers and all of that. And so we have some goals for our family based on what we see in our siblings' families. So we'll sometimes even ask our older siblings, you know, how did you do X, Y, or Z? You know, I, I see that, um, you know, one of, one of my sisters-in-law, brother and sister-in-law, they, their adult siblings, adult children, sorry, are so close to each other. They love spending time together. So I'll actually ask them, can you think back? What do you think you did that made it so your children want to want to spend time with each other? And they think on it and they have, they have ideas, you know? Um, and then I also do this with older families in my neighborhood or, you know, in my circle. And when, just when I see some, a family that has a trait that I really admire and that I hope my family is going to have 10 years, 20 years down the road. Then I'll ask them like, what do you think you did to, to make an environment where this happened, you know? Um, and then, and then often, often they know, they know what they did. Sometimes they don't know, but often they do. It's really helpful. So these are things that I want and watching other people do these things well helps me to adjust how I parent now. And it helps me to kind of listen to my intuition. Cause it's, you know, like I really want this thing that, this family that's ahead of me has. And so what, what, is, what is my intuition telling me to get that? And I can, I can kind of use their advice, um, to, to add to my intuition. And it helps me to get more connected with my children, to know them better as I think about how I want us all to interact in the future. Okay. So those were the reflection questions. Let me go back over those really quick. Write down what you know about your child and what something you knew about them, if you can think of that, you know. Um, think back to times when you, um, sorry, think back to times when you knew something about your child that contradicted what somebody else said, what an expert said, and you just knew that that expert was wrong. Think back to times when you didn't follow your gut and remember, don't stay here long. Just learn from it and move forward and remind yourself like, hey, yeah, I do know what I'm, I do know my child. I should have listened to my gut. That's, that's the good lesson to take from that. And number four is to think of the things that you, you don't want to repeat from your childhood. Number five is to think of the things you do want to repeat from your childhood. And think number six is to think about the things that you admire in other families that are just a little bit ahead of you and ask them how they got there. Okay, so my next tip is not a reflection question, but an action item. So connect with your child. That's what this tip is. And it's probably not a surprise to you. Uh, But it's so important. If you want to continue to be the expert on your child, you have to connect with them. Find out who they are. Do this both intentionally and in spontaneous moments. So the intentional connection might look like scheduled outings, scheduled game nights, scheduled bedtime talks or whatever, but it means that you're intentionally planning for and carrying out connection activities with your child. And basically my entire podcast and blog and social media is full of these types of ideas. So just follow along for ideas, but also be spontaneous. Have a connection mindset so that when your child comes and sits down next to you, you recognize this as a moment for connection and you can give them your attention. Or when you're running to the store on a weekend, have a kid join you because you want connection. Or listen to what your child is asking for and be willing to give them that time and attention. So be spontaneous and intentional about connecting. And then my final tip is to connect with yourself. The more you know yourself, the more you trust yourself. The more you trust yourself, the more you can forgive your mistakes and enjoy who you are. And when you enjoy yourself, you enjoy your children more. (laughs) 
So it's just so, it's so great. And then you know them better. And again, you trust yourself better to connect with them and care for them. You feel more free to let go of the expert advice that doesn't matter to you and to follow your own instincts. So this is really important. The more you know yourself, the better you're going to be able to do all of this. I hope this has been helpful to you. I have a back and forth journal that is designed to help you connect with your child in deep and meaningful ways. Now, all the work is done for you. You and your child just answer the prompts when you have a spare minute and then you leave the journal on each other's pillows. It's really fun. It's a great way to connect and get to know your child and then have your child get to know you too. And it only takes a few minutes at a time. So I'll link to the back and forth journal in the show notes. Thank you for being here. You really are the expert on your child and you're doing such good work. Thank you so much for pausing and connecting with me today. Your support seriously means the world to me. If you found this episode helpful, I want you to know I have countless other resources for you to find more connection in your motherhood and life. Head to my website, rebeccabrownwright.com to check out my blog, check out my back and forth journal for parents and kids, and take a look at Pause and Connect Academy, where you can find courses to help you stop yelling, find your strengths, and finally get your kids to listen to you. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a positive review, sharing it on social media, or sharing with your friends. I love you, and I want you to thrive in your motherhood and life. Thank you for being here. Now go forth and connect.